Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. It's really good to be with you, even though we're not together physically, we're all in our separate homes. I'm trying to sit here picturing each of you around a dining table or in your family room and watching this video. And I wish we could be together, but this is what we are able to do for now, and so let's make the most of it. I wanted to uh, send a video out as well as giving you the option to read the message like we did last Sunday because I think sometimes just seeing a familiar face and hearing a familiar voice can help us just bring together a sense of our unity and family as a church. And I really do miss being together as a whole church it's really awkward for me to be preaching staring at a camera rather than a room full of familiar faces of people that I love. I'm sure it's awkward for you to be sitting here and watching a screen instead of being at church together. But let's really dig into the Word of God this morning. I think He does have something He wants to say to us this morning through the Word. We're going to continue on with our series in Psalms. And it's interesting how fitting the book of Psalms is to the times we're living in right now. The, the psalm for this morning in particular, Psalm 46, is a really fitting psalm for the times that we are experiencing with the coronavirus pandemic right now. You should have a sheet that was sent to you with the text. If not, just open up the Bible app on your phone or on your tablet and read along with me. I want to look at Psalm 46 this morning. Psalm 46. The title of the message is Our Refuge and Strength. And that comes right from the words of this psalm, in verse 1, in fact. Let's read together. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, I think most people prefer to be self-reliant, or at least to see themselves that way. As a man, and this is typical of men, I have a hard time accepting help from others. Uh, as I've gotten older, I find it a little easier to accept help, but there's still a side of me that when someone offers to help me carry something or to hold the door open, I, I instinctively find myself waving them off and saying, it's okay, I've got it, I'm good. If at all possible, I prefer to help myself and I'm willing to bet that a lot of you are just like me. You want to take care of yourself and your own people. Yet once in a while, a kind of trouble falls upon us where not only are we open to receiving help, we find ourselves crying out desperately for help. 
a kind of trouble that is so much bigger than us, we are absolutely sure we cannot handle it by ourselves. Psalm 46 is a song written in response to trouble like this. We're not sure exactly what the historic context was, what uh, kind of trouble had befallen Israel or the psalmist at the time, but the images in the song give us a pretty good idea. The imagery in the song depicts uh, natural disasters and war. And anybody who has been directly touched by either of these things will tell you that they make you feel totally helpless. Uh, something, a force as big as a natural disaster, think of like an earthquake or, I don't know, um, a great tsunami, a tidal wave hitting your city, uh, an asteroid hitting our planet, things like that, these giant catastrophes, or even something like war, where a, a, an army is marching against your country and bombs are going off and people are shooting. These kinds of forces, so much bigger than ourselves, really render individual power and control totally meaningless. There is not a lot you can do in the face of such huge forces to make a difference in how your life goes. The imagery of water in the psalm is especially powerful. When you look at the creation story in Genesis 1, 9 through 10, what you see is that the waters and the ground are separated. God is commanding the waters to organize into seas so that dry land will be left. And that gives us a place to live with all the other animals. This is an example of chaos being organized into order and stability. See, the picture of creation is that chaos is corralled at the command of God so that order results and normal life on earth can proceed. But when God sent the great flood, if you look at Genesis 7 verse 11, you see that the opposite of creation is happening. This is almost like an uncreation or an anti-creation. And the order that God imposes upon creation and upon the waters is pulled back. He retracts the order that usually holds life together. And the result is, instead of chaos being organized into order, order is turning into chaos. It's giving way. The waters literally erupt from the earth. And the rain falls in mighty torrents. And the normal rhythms of life on earth are completely disrupted. And the waters rage over the face of the earth. And everything is destroyed. The words of Psalm 46 in verses 2 to 3 actually evoke some strong imagery of what the flood must have been like. If you take a look at verses 2 to 3, look at what it says. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. If things as stable and immovable as mountains or the very ground we stand on can give way and fall into the roaring sea, I mean, when's the last time you ever looked at a mountain and thought to yourself, I wonder if that's going to be here tomorrow? Things that permanent, that huge, we don't expect to ever change or ever move, and yet that's exactly the imagery that the psalmist is trying to depict, is the very ground we stand on, the things that we take for granted, assume are always going to be there, are suddenly swept away and there's nothing but chaos. There's no place to rest your feet and feel like everything is stable.
We're living through an extraordinary time where a virus that is too small for the human eye to see has completely disrupted, and you might even argue it's taken over our lives. It's created for us a new normal, and there's so much fear and uncertainty everywhere. I don't know to what extent you're feeling that, but a lot of people are really struggling with how to make sense of what's happening in our world and to our lives personally. There have been things that have affected us as a whole nation. Uh, I, I remember September 11th, 2001, where the whole nation collectively, uh, we had a shock and it felt like it touched all of us. But in an interesting way, this coronavirus pandemic is touching us at even a more deeply personal level. Whereas the threat of terrorism kind of hung over us like a cloud, this feels like it could actually touch our very bodies right now. And so I think the, the fear and uncertainty that has marked a lot of people is even stronger than what 9-11 did to us as a nation. When you look at verse 1, the psalmist clearly confesses that he knows God is an ever-present help in trouble. He is our refuge and our strength. He is always present, and that's true. But the truth is that times of trouble call us to seek God out more than any other circumstance. When times are really good, we find that we don't seek God out as desperately. And I think as a result, it's actually harder to see God or to acknowledge Him when life is very good. But even irreligious people find themselves instinctively crying out to God if there is a God when there are times of trouble. God is ever-present, but He's not always easy to see, and yet times of trouble seem to awaken a need for and an awareness of God who is ever-present and can be our help. If the waters of verse 2 to 3 evoke images of chaos and destruction, images of the great flood that destroyed the world, then verse 4 gives us a very different image of water. It gives us the image of a river that flows through the middle of a city. And that river, its presence and the waters it carries, make glad the city of God. Rivers, especially in times of peace, are a source of life. They bring necessary water without which no living creature can last very long. Now, we live in times where in order to get water, we just turn a valve or, or lift up a nozzle and there it comes. And, and water flows freely through the modern plumbing infrastructure in our homes. And so we take that for granted. But in the ancient days, just think about how powerfully, uh, how valuable um, a stream of constant flowing fresh water would have been for the people who gather to live in a city. And yet, in times of danger, for example, uh, if there was a siege from an invading foreign army, <clears throat> and this foreign army had caused all the citizens to flee behind the walls of the city and close the gates. Now, when you're trapped in a dangerous situation like that, a river is not just a source of peace and beauty and life, it is a matter of survival, and it would be a symbol of great peace and security. When you find yourself in a dangerous situation, like a siege, that river is a source of hope. 
It is a reminder to you that even though we don't like what we're going through and it's really dangerous, that river is a symbol that we're going to make it through this, that we're going to be okay. You know, Jeannie and I resisted the stockpiling panic for as long as we could. Uh, we saw and heard the news of people making a run on the grocery stores and buying up, strangely enough, toilet paper, among other things. Um, but we resisted. Then late last week, I thought maybe we should check out the stores and see what's going on. And so we did go out and we hit a number of stores and I was not prepared for what I would find when I went there. Here's a picture of the shelves at Mariano's near our ministry center where I, I popped in for a visit. And when I saw these shelves, I have to admit that the panic became kind of infectious for me. And I'll admit that uh, my driving thought while I was pushing the cart through the aisles is if there really is some kind of a lockdown and I find that I and my family have to live on the food that we've stored up in our house for about a month, I don't know if we're going to be okay. And so I got caught up in it and it was really pretty slim pickings by the time we had thought to go grocery shopping, but we did manage to buy a bunch of food, some dry goods that didn't need to be stored in a fridge. And I will confess that when we came home and we emptied our cars and we stocked our pantry, I felt very secure. It's what some sociologists might call food security, and I felt that. I felt like even if we're trapped in our home for a month or longer, we're going to be okay. As long as the water keeps running, that food is going to keep us safe. Now, I know I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to say that it's God who keeps me safe and not this food, but that food was a tangible reminder that we're going to make it even if everything really goes badly. It's that sense of security and peace that a river offered an ancient city, especially in times of siege. What's curious, though, is that Jerusalem never had a river on it or in it or near it. Jerusalem was a city built on a hill far away from any major water source. And so water had to be brought into the city. And this was always a cause for um, fear and uncertainty among the citizens of Jerusalem who thought, if we're ever besieged, we're in trouble because our water supply will eventually run out or be cut off. What's interesting, though, is that the psalmist says there is a river that runs through the city of God. And in the Bible, every time the city of God is mentioned, it's a reference to Jerusalem. So how do we reconcile the fact that Jerusalem never had a river, and yet the psalmist says there is a river that makes glad the city of God? Well, when we look at chapter, verse 5, uh, we get a clue as to what he means. In that he says, God is within her. Or other translations say that God dwells within the city of God. What that means is this, that it was not a river of water, but the river was a symbol, a representation of the very presence of God. That it wasn't a river of water that would secure the city, but God's presence himself offered to the people of Jerusalem, to the people of God, the same kind of certainty and comfort and security that a river would offer the citizens of that city in a time of siege. That may not be your experience when you have experienced hardship in your life. Maybe in times of trouble you cried out to God and didn't feel like God brought that security. But what the psalmist is reminding us through his testimony 
is that it, even though that may not be your experience, it is possible to experience God during times of trouble in such a way that it would be as much of a source of comfort and hope and security as a river would be to the citizens of an ancient city, or as that pantry full of groceries would be to you. We live in a day of doomsday preppers and people stockpiling their homes with food and water and even weapons preparing for a catastrophic day. But it's possible that the presence of God himself can give to us the same kind of tangible, real sense of peace and security and hope and joy. You know, I think one reason that it's so hard to experience that kind of inner peace in our world today is because our world is filled with so much noise and chaos and life today in this world is run at such a pace that I think it makes us deaf and blind to the presence of God. Verse 1 doesn't lie. It says that God is ever-present and that in times of trouble He is an ever-present help, a refuge and a strength for us. God may be ever-present but the truth is that in most, most normal days, the noise and the pace of life in the modern world make us deaf and blind to Him. God is there, but He's invisible to us so much of the time. And it's not because He's hiding so much as the world around us eclipses our view of God. It makes Him really hard to see or even to hear. Verse 10 is probably the most well-known verse in Psalm 46. And if you look at this verse, it begins with the words, Be still and know that I am God. And those words are usually quoted in a way to evoke images of peace and tranquility. I did an image search for this verse, and these are some of the results that I found. And you see in these uh, images pictures of streams, and clouds, and flowers, and birds, and even butterflies. And that's understandable. The words, be still and know that I am God, invite us to think about quiet, and reflection, and meditation, and calm. But I think the New Living Translation actually gets it right when it puts an exclamation mark at the very end of that sentence. It isn't this soothing invitation to calm meditation. But in fact, it's a shouting command. Be still and know that I am God. This is God shouting at the noise and pace and chaos of the world and, and commanding everyone and everything to just stop. I picture a frustrated parent, maybe a mom or dad in a noisy house with kids running around throwing food at each other, and they can barely gather their thoughts. In the midst of all of that, they remember that they are the parent here, and they shout at the whole house, stop! This reminds me of a time when Jesus was riding in a boat with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, and a terrible storm fell upon the boat. And his Disciples found him sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and they woke him up in a panic and said, Jesus, do something. And Jesus woke up from his sleep, and listen to what Mark 4.39 says. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! 
Those are exclamation marks. And suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. I can't help feeling that God is shouting those same words to our world today. I think He's already shouted them. Things that we took for granted, the normal rhythms of life, the currents that carried us from day to day, sometimes even mindlessly, on autopilot, those currents and rhythms are gone. This pandemic has disrupted everything. Children are home from school. Many of us are telecommuting, working from home. We're in isolation right now. Nothing seems normal anymore. You can't go to the gym or to a restaurant and enjoy a meal with friends. When you see someone, you keep a six-foot distance. You don't even shake hands. Nothing is like it's supposed to be. There's a new normal, and it's as if everything familiar has gone away, and we're, we find ourselves in this really weird situation. It's as if God has shouted to our world, Enough! Stop! Now, what's the point of God commanding the world to be still? He tells us quite simply that the point of that is to make use of that stillness to acknowledge Him. The noise and the chaos and the pace of our lives in this crazy world often keep us from acknowledging Him. And so when God shouts to the whole world, Enough! Stop! Be still! It's His invitation to us to be freed from the currents that usually carry us through life and to begin becoming more mindful, more aware of Him. Church, as we continue to navigate these weird times we're living in, this COVID-19 pandemic that has touched everyone, not just in the U.S., but throughout the whole world, there really is no playbook for us to follow. We're all figuring this out as we go. But one thing is certain, and one thing for sure I can say, is that God has changed the rhythms of life in the modern world for all of us. Let's make the most of this time of different rhythms, of change, of a, a stillness and a slowness that God has imposed on us. Let's use these days, these weird, weird days, where we can't even be together. Let's make the most of them and turn our minds to God and become more aware that He is here, that He can be known, and that we will find our joy and peace when God takes His rightful place in the center of our lives. I want you to pause the video at this point uh, and in just a minute. I'll, I'll flash a slide up for you to look at and I want you to have a conversation where you are or if you find yourself alone then use this as an opportunity to reflect on these questions. How has the COVID-19 pandemic affected you emotionally? And in what way is your prayer life or your faith life different in times of trouble versus when everything is going really well. Has there ever been a time in your life when everything around you was falling apart but God was holding you together inside? If there was a time like that in your life, I think it'd be really encouraging for those around you to just hear you share your story of a time where everything around you was erupting into chaos, but supernaturally, by some act of God Himself, he was holding you together in your heart and in your spirit.
If you have such a story, would you take a moment and share it with those around you? Uh, if you're by yourself, reflect back. And I'll bet you if you think hard enough, God will bring to mind times in your life when he was that kind of tangible source of comfort for you. I hope you had a, a good time of discussion. If you were with others, I hope that you heard a story or two that was really encouraging for you. Please know that I and the other leaders of our church are praying for you and with you. We really look forward to the days when we can be back together again as a church family in person. We are monitoring the situation literally by, an, by the hour. And as soon as some of these prohibitions are lifted and it feels safe and medically wise for us to resume our meetings in person, we will. But until then, I charge you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to make the most of the days we're living through and be a light and salt to our world for Jesus. Miss you all. I love you. Have a great week. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.